That's 520. We'll sing out, I just keep trusting my Lord. Or since we're in the South, trusting my Lord. I just keep trusting my Lord as I walk along. I just keep trusting my Lord and he gives us
glad that you know the master of the wind and the waves. When the storms come, he walks on the waves. He's not afraid of them. Stand please and shake hands with those around you. Let them know you're glad to see them.
Satan, oh Satan, hear me now once more. The greatest kings and rich men have walked through my dark door. This Jesus, he's no different, he's just a mortal man. And I make this vow to you, he won't escape my hand, no, he won't escape my hand. Tell me that, tell me, tell me don't be slow. Do you still have Jesus, or did you let him go? He's been there for three days, the victory has been won. It's time for a celebration, we've overcome God's Son. We've overcome God's Son. <laughs> Satan, oh Satan. Hear me what I say This morning, oh, this morning That stone was rolled away And I could not stop him, no I could not hold him down With power, oh, great power He rose up from the ground He rose up from the ground He has he last week, but even more so now. Amen. Just a couple of announcements uh, this coming Thursday, providing that they're going to be open uh, down at Eagle Lake Diner. We'll be there at 815 for seniors breakfast, and then November 6th is big day. Uh, we'll have all of the invitations, bus flyers, and all those things out here bundled up and ready to go. Good to see you this evening. Please take your hymn book out and turn into hymn number 512. Hymn number 512, please stand and join me. And singing the first and last verses of All the Way, My Savior Leads Me. All the way my Savior leads me, what have I to ask beside? Can I doubt his tender mercy, who through life has been my guide? Heavenly peace, divinest comfort, here by faith in him to for I know what every fall means, Jesus doeth all things well. For I know what every fall means, Jesus doeth all things well. All 
great world in autumn Wings is fly to realms of fame There's my song through in the sages Jesus lead me all the way There's my song through in the sages Jesus lead me all the way Thank you, baby. See Usher, would you come? Glad to have Bill and Joanne back tonight. They were announced this morning attending a funeral service up in Georgia. And um, I also continue to pray for our people that are still without power. I understand some of them are still without, without power now. We... Um, we had to go for a couple of places after church this morning to find a place that that had air conditioning. <laughs> Who wants to eat, eat a meal in an un-air-conditioned un building? But we wound up doing that anyway. Uh, people in South Florida, pray for them. Boy, what a what a mess that is down there. And also, uh, Jeff Cruz, continue to pray for him. All right, let's bow our heads now and look to the Lord in prayer and ask his blessings on the service tonight. Brother Carnes, would you lead us? Amen. Against him. 
Well, the singing has been excellent today, hasn't it? It's really, really good. I think it's time for Amber and uh, the guitarist to do that. No regrets again, don't you? <laughs> so so um, we'll plan for that next Sunday night. Next Sunday night, we'll do that next Sunday night. All right, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 5. <clears throat> I didn't hear that, Solomon. <laughs> Acts chapter 5, and let's look at verse 14, 15, and 16 together. And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed every one. I want you to notice the phrase there that the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. I know a lot of you, you um, when I preach you, you put the date of the message there beside the text. And uh, I have preached on this before, but this is a different message. So don't, don't be uh, telling me that you heard this before because this is brand new. <clears throat> Now, the temple area where that's the uh, setting here for this, it was a very large area. It covered 26 acres. And on the eastern side of the temple, on the eastern uh, boundary of the court of the Gentiles, uh, above the brook Kidron and the garden Gethsemane, uh, down there in the valley and then, and then the rise of Mount Olivet on the other side, in the porch of uh, Solomon on the eastern side, the apostles would gather there with the multitudes and preach the gospel of the grace of the Lord Jesus. And often, uh, this big, big old fisherman, Simon Peter, would be coming up to the temple. And, uh, and there was just a certain number that he could touch out of the uh, multitudes that thronged the preaching of the gospel. So finding the way that the big fisherman had coming up to the house of the Lord and noticing how he came into that temple area and finally to the porch of Solomon, they would bring their sick people, the sick folk, and, and they would lay them along the way that at least the shadow of Peter might fall upon them and they'd be blessed by just the passing of that tremendous man of God. And that gives... Uh, gives rise to uh, the thought of the sermon tonight, the message tonight. And I, I want to I talk to you about shadow ministries. Shadow ministries, wayside ministries, unconscious ministries. How people are influenced whom you, you never know. You, you don't know that they're influenced by you or... or um, you know, maybe 
you, maybe you never see, maybe, maybe even after you're dead. Uh, the Bible says about Abel, he being dead yet speaketh. And our testimony will live on. You, you may die, this body will die, but your testimony will live on. Your witness. That, uh, that unconscious influence that always attends our way. I read about a, uh, some time ago about a, a man, I don't remember his name. I've really been wrecking my brain trying to remember his name. He was the president of a vast railroad system here in America, and he died. And they announced, they announced his service. A memorial will be held at 2 o'clock on a certain afternoon. And at 2 o'clock on the dot, at 2 o'clock that afternoon, everything stopped on that vast railway system in honor of and in memory of the great and famous president of, of the railway. They brought everything to a stop. Every train stopped, every wheel ceased to turn, every man stood still where he was, every workman laid down his tools, and for three minutes, the entire system shut down and everything stopped in that vast railway corporation. All except one thing, and that was the influence of that man in the casket. It continued on, not stopping three minutes or five minutes or a year or even a century, but it goes on forever. And so it is with every man's life. Just because we die doesn't mean that our influence, our testimony, our witness dies out. There's repercussion that never stops, even from the humblest life. Sometimes the, uh, the scientists tell us some of the most unusual things, and one of the things that I read was this, that, that you could drop a, a pebble in the vast waters of the ocean and the molecular disturbance from the dropping of that one pebble reaches out to the farthest shores of the sea. And if that could be true, think how much more it's true in the life of a man who lives on this earth. The body dies. It turns, turns back to the dust of the ground from which God shaped it and made it, according to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. But personality and soul and influence never die. And when I look at, at history and think of the long and extended shadows of men who make that history, I really, I really stand in wonder and amazement about it. There could, there could not be volumes enough in the world to describe the influence of someone like Alexander the Great, for instance upon human history, turning the whole world into Hellenic thinking, Hellenic architecture, Hellenic language in which the New Testament is written, Hellenic thought, Hellenic culture. It is really the basis of our civilizations today, the extended shadow of that young man who conquered the world when he was only 22 years old. And did you know, uh, looking at the courses that are taught at Oxford in England, and I'm sure you are interested in that, um, there are 200 courses in Oxford on the philosophy of Aristotle. 
He died 300 years before Christ, and yet today there'll be something like 200 courses in the great University of England in Oxford teaching his philosophy. And what could we say of the influence of man like, like Hitler? Germany, as long as there's a Germanic people, will never get over or survive the terror and the horror and the hurt of, uh, of Hitler. So all of, all of life, it follows a train like that, the influence that never ceases long after we're gone. And I want us to look at it tonight in two ways. One, the influence for good, and then second, the influence for bad. And let's take the worst first. A man does not die when he dies. Now, would to God that there were that, that were true with evil men, but the influence of their life lingers on and and forever to the great judgment day of Almighty God. <clears throat> I think of men like Charles Darwin, who wrote Origin of the Species in 1859. <clears throat> this is the foundation of evolution. The most wicked anti-God theory <clears throat> ever hatched out of the cesspools of hell. That wicked man has been dead for, for over 150 years, but the influence of that evil-thinking man has extended through the decades after his body has turned back into the dust. Think of the thousandfold dividend for evil <clears throat> that that man has caused. And one day he's going to stand at the judgment bar of Almighty God. We never escape the influence of evil in our lives. Nathan the prophet said to Daniel, the sword shall never depart from thy house. And thereafter, for the generations and the, uh, the generation to follow, the story of the household of David and the kings of Judea, written in human blood. Think of the families and the lives that are, that are touched in the years and the years that follow after. The Lord God said to Manasseh, because of your sins, Judea will be destroyed people carried into captivity, and the holy house of God burned down with fire. The influence of a life for evil, it multiplies, it continues on forever. But let's speak, uh, let's speak second of the influence of the life for good. You know, one of the, one of the most uh, beautiful passages, one of the finest theological uh, foundational truths in the Word of God is this, uh, found there in the fifth chapter of the book of Romans. The Bible says there, for if when we were yet enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, how much more, how much more being reconciled shall we be saved by his life? Now, I've, I've heard uh, people say that uh, this means that, that uh, you know, if we if we follow the example of Christ, we follow you know His life. That that that's what this means. That we'll be saved. That's not what that is saying. 
It is saying for those who are already reconciled. We're reconciled by his death, his death on the cross when he died for our sins on the cross. It said then being reconciled to God by the death of his son, how much more being reconciled shall we be saved by his life. Now, if you, you've heard here in the services before that if when we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, then how much more shall we say by the life of the son of God, talking about his resurrected life, talking about his, death, his life after his death on the cross, his life in glory, his life as our advocate at the right hand of God in heaven. For the life of our Lord poured out into this world lives forever. In a little, little over three years of his life on earth, his teachings, his salvation, who can, who can measure the influence of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ on this world, on all of humanity. There's never been anybody in the history of civilization that has had the influence on civilization than Jesus Christ did, even from the human standpoint. Not even, not even thinking about that he was God, but, but from the human standpoint. Wherever the Lord Jesus is, is magnified, wherever, wherever his life is, is taught and preached, there, there's, there's hospitals built, there are schools built, there, uh, there are churches. There, think, about, think about the influence of the Lord Jesus Christ, his life on there for just a little over three years. You think about the leaders of other religions of the world. You think about Muhammad, who's the, who's the uh, leader of the Islam religion. Uh, think, about, think about the death, think about the bloodshed that has been caused because of this man, this man Muhammad. The, his influence. You just, you just think about the the, uh, the the terror that has been caused by that one man. But it was not for good. None of it for good. It was all all for for evil. Uh, for evil. But our Lord, the Lord, His influence has been for good. The anything that's good that's ever happened to humanity is because of the Lord Jesus. And the Lord's as much alive today as he was when he walked the shores of Galilee. The influence of the life of Jesus is a thousand times, a thousand, ten thousand times greater now than it was when he opened the eyes of the blind and when he healed the lepers and when he raised the dead. Jesus is alive. The greatest truth I know in human history is that Jesus is alive and he's here. He's in our hearts. He guides in the way. He leads. Jesus saving us by his life. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. 
And so with the lives of every good man, all good men who ever live, the repercussion of the influence of their lives is, is forever. I, I, you know, I'm trying to imagine, trying to think here of how, how it will be when Simon Peter stands at the great judgment day before the, the great king, the Lord, the Lord Jesus, at the Bema, at the judgment seat of Christ. Think of what it's going to be. Think of the influence of Peter's life through the years and the generations. I think of the Apostle Paul, what an infinite reward will be his when God unravels the skein of the influence of the great apostle to the Gentiles. If we could speak of these mighty men of God whose names are household words, these are men whose influence even though they lived hundreds of years ago, their influence still being felt today. We, we, preach, we preach about these men, Peter and Paul and, and uh, these other great men of God. I've read that on the tomb of D.O. Moody were written these words, he that doeth the will of God shall abide forever. And how true that is. How many times has... D.L. Moody been mentioned in illustrations about winning souls and in, and in his, uh, the, the things that took place under his ministry, under his preaching. But you know, we're not, we're not all Simon Peters, are we? We're not all Apostle Pauls. We're not even all D.L. Moody's. What of the humble influence of, of that little disciple of Jesus whose name you never heard of and whose life you're not conscious of, but, but there's an influence that God blesses through the years. Do you ever stand at the tomb of the unknown soldier in Arlington, just across the Potomac from Washington? I have. I, I've stood there at the sarcophagus there uh, written, and there I've read these words, here rest in honored glory, an American soldier, known but to God. And when I stand there and look at that monument, read those words, I think of that soldier, an American man who was cut down on a foreign field of battle, who lies there in that tomb, but nobody knows his name. Nobody knows his name. With what multitudes of honors and words of appreciation and gratitude have been bestowed upon that name, upon that man, but nobody knows his name. Known only to God. And in a thousand times and a thousand ways are our lives just like that, influential but known only to God. I'm talking about those shadow ministers, those things that we may not even be aware of that are happening because of our testimony, our influence. I received a letter one time some years ago from a man in Canada. And back, uh, back when I was teaching at Landmark Baptist College, they were recording the sessions and, and uh, a lot of people were taking home courses uh, and, and it was videoed and also audio uh, and they would take these courses 
and uh, I taught I taught several different things over the years there. Uh, but one in one of the one of the courses, and I don't know if he even mentioned which one it was, but this guy in Canada wrote me a letter. He said, he said, uh, because of of your messages, your teaching, he said, I surrender my life to the mission field. And he said, I'm going. Uh, he was from actually from England, but he was living then in Canada. And he said, I'm going. I'm uh, planning to finish my courses at Landmark College, and then I'm going to to my homeland. I'm going back to England as a missionary. And and he did. Over the years, you know, he, he completed all the studies and all that. And and then uh, and then one time he was here. He was in our church. He spoke here in our church, and we took him on as a missionary. And he went back to England, served there for some years, and then because of his health, he had to come back, and, and in a couple of years, he had died. But I thought, you know, that, that I, I wouldn't have known anything about all of that if he hadn't written that letter. But see, that's one of those shadow ministries, one of those, one of those things that through a tape, through a uh, video, and, uh, uh, you know, the, the message there. I was at a preacher's meeting over in Tampa one time, and a man came up to me after I preached there, and he said, uh, uh, you will not know me, but he said, I, he said I, I got my life right with God one night when you were preaching in Lake Wales, at a church in Lake Wales. He said, you were preaching on the message, the God of the second chance. And he said, I had been running from the Lord, but he said, I, I, I went that that night I surrendered my life uh, to the Lord anew and afresh and he said now I'm pastoring and he told the name of the church there in the temple area and he said, he said it's all because of that message that you preached there that night and you know that's, uh, I never knew I never knew the guy I didn't even know the guy was there he was just traveling through see that's one of those shadow ministries friend of mine that pastors over in Deltona uh, he was starting the church there and he was going from house to house on visitation he came up on this fellow he said uh, he talked with him a while and he said he, he said listen can I, let me ask you uh, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal savior have you been born again and he said yes I have he said there was a guy when I was living in Orlando there was a guy over there by the name of Gene Wiggins that led me to the Lord I don't even know who the guy was. See, that's one of those shadow ministries I'm talking about. One of those things you may not be aware of, may not be conscious of. I even received a letter one time from, a, from somebody in Australia. And um, we, uh, when I pastored in Tennessee, we, we had developed uh, a ministry we called the Funspiration. We had taken a bus and I'd, we'd taken all the seats out of it, and, and we'd uh, put carpet in, and we, we put paneling on the sides, and put black, you know, blacked out all the windows. We had a guy in our church that was a welder, and so he welded a rack on the back of the bus to put a generator, and also we put a, a, a window air conditioner in, and, uh, and so we could run that air conditioner off that generator, and, and we'd gather, we'd go into areas, we'd gather kids up. You remember that, Bill, the Funspiration bus? And, um, and we'd either show a, a film, you know, a 
gospel film or uh, sometimes teenagers would go and they'd do a puppet show. We had puppets and they, they'd do all of that. And, and uh, so uh, Brother Harvey Goodman, who was at that time a missionary in Australia, he, he, he was receiving my tapes, our, the messages of our, you know, our, uh, the tapes of our messages. And so I had mentioned about that Funspiration bus on there and, and how we were reaching people. And, and uh, this is the way we'd build a bus route. We would go into an area, a new area with that, and, and, and we'd get the kids to come out. And so then we'd get their names and where they lived, and then we'd go visit them and give them a ride to the bus. So several bus routes were started uh, through that. But, uh, but this Brother Goodman had given a tape when I was telling about that in our church there in Maryville. And this guy heard that, and so he went back to his church, and they built a Funspiration bus. And he wrote me a letter, and he said, uh, because of that, a lot of Australian kids have been saved because of that Funspiration bus. See, those are things I'm, I'm trying to tell you about here, that the, these shadow ministries, you know, these things that you may not you may not be aware of, things that you may not... You know, you may not ever know this side of heaven. You remember the, the story in the Bible of the little maid, the little girl in the household of Naaman, who was a leper, but he was the captain of the host of the king of Syria. And it was through the testimony of that little girl, that great man was cleansed. He was cured of his leprosy. You remember the story. And he was saved and became a follower of the God of heaven. And there's not a more nor precious story in the Bible than the story of the healing of Naaman. But what is the name of that little girl? Do you know? No, you don't, because it's not given. And nobody knows, and you won't know until you get to heaven. But think of the repercussion of the testimony of that little girl in the household of Naaman, the captain of the host. Then again, you know the name of the little boy who was in a crowd, 5,000 men beside the women and children and as the day passed, passed along they got hungry listening to the word of God and, and uh, lest they faint by the way the Lord said feed them and the apostles said feed them 5,000 men beside the women and children Jesus said yes feed them and they went through that great throng of people and they found this one little boy had a lunch a bag lunch and he had uh five little biscuits and two little fish. And he gave that, they, he gave that to those disciples and they placed it in the hands of Jesus. And the Lord blessed it as he always did, saying grace at the table. The Lord blessed that little boy's lunch, five little pieces of bread, two little fishes. And then, and then the Lord broke and he broke and he broke and he kept breaking. And the disciples passed the food out to the people, the bread and the fish and they were, all, they were all filled, and 12 baskets were taken up that were leftovers. It was a tremendous miracle, and it was followed by the one, one of the most magnificent sermons in the whole Bible, the message on the true manner from heaven, Christ the better, better of life. But now can you tell me tonight the name of that little boy? That little boy who gave his lunch to Jesus, what is his name? Nobody knows. 
And we'll never know until we stand before God's great throne of grace at the judgment day at the Bema, the judgment seat of Christ. But think about the rewards that little boy, that one little boy there, going to receive because of that. And then again, you remember when the Apostle Paul was about to be slain, they were going to ambush him and, and kill him. There was a plot on the part of the Jews. They were going to call for him to come and on the, uh, you know, the guys that they wanted to interrogate him. But they were really going to destroy him. They were going to lay in wait and they were going to slay him, assassinate him. And there was a little boy, Paul's sister's son, who overheard the plot. He came to the Roman centurion and told him of the threat and the danger to the life of the Apostle Paul and, and his life with the, the life of the Apostle Paul was saved. And what was the name of that little boy? And you think of all that Paul did after this. What if he had been assassinated? You think of all that and all because a little boy, a little boy went and said, hey, this is what's going to happen and you better protect, you better protect Paul. We don't know his name. Nobody will know who that little boy was until we stand at the judgment bar of the Lord, the judgment seat of Christ. Let me ask you again. Do you know the name of the man who in the Pacific Garden Mission in Chicago won the famous White Sox ball player named Billy Sunday to Jesus? You know the name of that man? I never heard of him. But think of the enormous influence of that humble man who in that mission won that famous baseball player of the Chicago White Sox to the Lord Jesus, his name Billy Sunday. Think of the, think of the man who won him to Christ. What about that humble layman who had in his Sunday school class a young man, a teenager, and he found out that he worked in a shoe store in downtown Boston, and he found his way to the store and asked for the young fellow, and he was told he's back in the stock room. He went back there, and the young fellow was on the top of a ladder working with those shoe boxes way up there on the shelves. And that layman stood there at the bottom of that ladder and asked if he, if he might come down, that he might talk to him about Jesus, and he won him to the Lord. That was the conversion of D.L. Moody. It is said that over a million souls came to know Christ through the ministry of D.L. Moody. Think of what God did through him. And yet the, the name of that man is virtually unknown. But think about the rewards and the judgment seat of Christ. Because, see, he'll share in the rewards that D.O. Moody, because he was responsible for leading D.O. Moody to Christ. Everything that, that he did, everything, everything that was accomplished through his ministry, that man will share in that. What about... Uh, what about, do you, do you know the name of that Moravian missionary who won John Wesley and George Whitfield to the Lord? I have no idea who he was. His name has been lost in the world, but 
But think of what John Wesley and the great Wesleyan revivals did for England. And think of George Whitfield, who began in America the Great Awakening that swept into the mighty intellectual preaching of Jonathan Edwards. And what was the name of that Moravian missionary? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Shadow ministries, things that humble people do for God, but nobody ever realizes, ever remembers, ever knows. But God knows, and God blesses it through the years. And that's the reason, that's the reason that when a man dies, he doesn't receive his reward then. You know, you've heard people say, well, when I die, I'm going to my reward. Not right then. It's not going to be until the judgment seat of Christ. That's not going to be until after the rapture. You don't receive your reward right away. Why? Because your testimony, your witness lives on. You know, I think of people here in our church that they've gone on to be with the Lord, but but their 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 memories, the, the memories of them, the the accomplishments here in our church still lives on. You think of the testimony of Billy Green. Think of the testimony of Lee Powers. Think of the testimony of Elon Jones. These these people have gone on, but but we we're still we're still uh, rejoicing in in the accomplishments that they had they made here in our church. Lee Powers taught Brother Tony how to do a bus ministry. She she took him under her wing and and uh, taught him all that. Everything he knows now, he owes to Lee Powers. All think of all the hundreds, and I'm speaking about hundreds of children, young people who've been saved through our bus ministry. Now, what's it going to be like when Lee Powers stands at the judgment seat of Christ? What about Billy Green? I was asked when I was, what, not just a few weeks after I got saved, I was asked to teach a Sunday school class, 15-year-old boys. I had, never, I had never got up a Sunday school lesson in my life, and that was back in the days uh, before, before we had you know, outside lessons, outside help in preparing the lessons. Uh, the, uh, back then, usually the Sunday school superintendent would get up a lesson and he'd teach it to the teachers, and then they'd teach it to their class. They'd break it down and teach it to their class. But I wasn't able to come to the teachers' meeting because I was working second shift. And so my first Sunday there, uh, you talk about laying an egg, I did more than that. I, I, I mean, I even crucified that biddy. Uh, it was it was a mess, and so when I when I walked away, and standing on the steps with the, upstairs in the old building over here across the street, and um, Billy Green was teaching. She was up there. She had a class of girls. We were coming down, and she said, "Well, how'd it go?" I said, uh, I, "This is not for me. I'm not cut out to be a teacher, and this is not for me. I, you know, I'm I'm going to tell the preacher he'll have to get somebody else." And she said, no, no. She said, you know, I remember the first time I ever taught. 
Sunday school, you know, and what I was so defeated, so discouraged. And she said, oh, no, you, you, you can't do that. You know, you, 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 you'll get better. Next time it'll be better. Next time it'll be better. And, and you'll get to where, you know, that, that uh, you'll be comfortable teaching and you'll, you'll look forward to it. And just think of all the good you can do. And Billy Green kept me in that Sunday school class. And it was not long until I, I led the first boy in that class to the Lord. And after I had led him to the Lord, I thought right then, Lord, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And in a, and in a way, in a sense, uh, I'm in the ministry today because of Billy Green. Think of what, what Billy Green is going to reap at the judgment seat of Christ. You know, there, there are those that um, in, in Matthew, it talks about the, um, there's going to be those who stand before this. said, when, when did we ever see you sick and ministered to you or in prison and came to see you or hungry and fed thee or naked and clothed? When did we, we ever do these things? The Lord will say, when you did it unto one of the least of these, you did it unto me. And God writes it down in the book of remembrance, and that's why, that's why your reward is not bestowed until the end of the age, until the judgment, judgment seat of Christ. Your influence goes on and on and on, and only in heaven we ever know what it means. Listen to this. I, I copied this down for something. You might have seen it yourself. A woman whose name has been forgotten gave a tract one day to a very bad man named Richard Baxter who read it and was converted. Richard Baxter became one of the great preachers of all time. He then wrote a book, The Call of the Unconverted, which brought a multitude to God. Among them, a man by the name of Philip Doddridge, who in turn wrote a book, The Rise and Progress of Religion, which brought tens of thousands into the kingdom of God. Among them, a man named William Wilberforce, Wilberforce wrote a practical view of Christianity, which also brought a multitude to Christ, among them being Lee Richmond, who wrote a tract entitled The Dairyman's Daughter, which had been the means of the conversion of uncounted multitudes. So the influence goes on and on and on and on. And see, it all began because a woman who we don't even know her name gave a track one day to a very bad man and the influence went on and on and stands to this day and forever. When that woman stands at the judgment seat of Christ, God can unravel all the influences that have followed after. Everything that has been accomplished since her placing that track in that man's hand. And when that forgotten woman stands there and the Lord bestows upon her reward, just think of, of the amazement, the amazement. You know, there, there, there's, there's just no way that we can know everything that takes place in people's lives because of 
influence because of our influence. You influence, you influence people whether you believe it or not. You influence people. You don't know what you do until you do something good for Jesus, speaking a word in his name, sowing the seed. The, the unconscious influence of those who love the Lord. Now, Sunday school teachers, bus workers, deacons, choir members, junior church people, children church people, nursery workers, special music people, those on the instruments, sound people, online people, you don't realize how important your, your position, what you're doing in serving the Lord, you don't have, realize how important your influence is. Uh, we, were, we were talking about this just recently, Brother Tony and I. We have no way of knowing really how many hundreds of people have been saved as a result of ministry to this church in the 37 years that I have been here. Hundreds, hundreds, literally hundreds. We, we went for, wasn't over two years, we baptized every Sunday over two years. Think about how just in that. And there's been 37 years and we haven't baptized every Sunday in that 37 years, but we have baptized a lot of them. And just think about the, the uh, hundreds of souls that have been reached and, and your influence, your influence has counted that. I, I want you to think about that. The next time you're tempted to miss a service or uh, not be in your Sunday school class or not here, be here to usher or not, not be here to sing in the choir or, or anything like that, is there something that you're doing that's more important than its influence and souls for Christ? I think not. Would you stand please with your heads bowed? Now, Heavenly Father, I pray that you bless the invitation time. Speak to every heart. May each of us do what we ought to do tonight. If there's someone here without Christ,